You found it, the home of red-blooded American patriots. The Patriot Review with Jeff Wagner starts now. Hello, Patriots. Thank you for being with me today. This is episode 24 of the Patriot Review. There's a couple things that are breaking this afternoon that I want to talk about uh, briefly before we go into the interviews today. Uh, number one, the Senate president, the Arizona Senate president, Karen Fan, has come out and said that uh, regardless of the results of the audit, that the um, election basically can, the electors cannot be recalled. So that's one to watch. Uh, we have a couple of rhino Republicans that are really interfering with you know, this whole issue of election fraud as if it should just be accepted, which is disappointing. We're seeing the same thing in Georgia, of course. Um, also, there is a unanimously passed bill by the Senate, which kind of floors me because I would think that the Senate uh, can't unanimously tie their shoestrings these days, but uh, they are taking action against China and banning imported products from a certain region in China uh, because of the concentration camps, the Uyghurs, the House Christians, uh, the Fulong Gong uh, that we covered in episode 14. Uh, so the Senate is is actually doing something in response to the human rights violations of China, which is Honestly, quite surprising, but I'm glad that they're doing that. So those are the two stories that are breaking right now. Um, you notice in the, in the uh, opening, uh, last week I was Clint Eastwood. This week I was Bruce Lee. It's a lot of fun to do that. Um, so I hope, hope you get a kick out of that. Thought I'd start out with a little bit of a laugh. Uh, today we're going to cover a couple different topics. Uh, number one, I have uh, Taylor Elon, who is going to be on talking about his show and, and some of the other issues that are going on, particularly for uh, his generation. And then I'll have uh, Mr. Ronald Boyd, who's our historian and Patriot Review contributor. We'll be talking a little bit about, about China, but I want to mention uh, to you that in September we'll be releasing a documentary, and that cover screen looks like this. Um, freedom waning, the war's already begun. We're going to have several people that we have as guests and quite a bit of content regarding 
China communism in particular and what the threats are. So be watching for that. We'll have more. I'll have more trailers and stuff coming out. Uh, so with that, I think I'll, we'll get on and get going. Hopefully you uh, are watching and can join the chat. I'll be I'll be in the chat room. Uh, please tell your friends about it. As always, subscribe, like, follow. We do have a Patreon page also. You can check that out. It's at the Patriot Review on Patreon. Your donations and memberships are appreciated. And uh, with that, I will go ahead and start the first interview. Thank you. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I would like to welcome Mr. Taylor Eland. Taylor is the host of a podcast called Concentrics. It's at concentrics.com. Taylor, welcome to the show. Why don't you start off with just telling us about yourself, your show, your co-host, whatever you'd like to about, you know, why you started and what your objectives are. Sure. It's Contrarix at Contrarix.com. It's uh pronounced how it's spelled or it's spelled how it's pronounced and what we are are two young conservatives based out of california who are looking at the big tent of conservatism my co-host and i are both 24 years old we were roommates in college uh, prior to me attending law school he is the youngest or at least was the youngest elected official in san diego county uh, i'm based out of fresno california which is more central california and I'm a recent law school graduate, so I come at this more from a legal point of view, you know. And ideologically speaking, why we're looking at the big tent of conservatism is that uh, he's more of the traditional Republican that, you know, you'll kind of, if you look at the platform, you kind of get a grasp of what those people think. And then I am right of center with the libertarian streak. I don't really fit into any label nicely. And, you know, we just, we just want to see what's going on because we've noticed, especially since 2016, uh, that the right in this country has a huge branding issue for a number of reasons you know trumpers love trump and that's all fine and dandy but there are a lot of people who don't necessarily agree with trumpers and they also don't agree with the left and they don't agree with the democrats and they kind of end up in this political homelessness category and conservative um to be conservative in america is super confusing right now because there are if you put a hundred conservatives in a room and ask them what conservatism is you'll get a hundred different definitions and probably 50 more um, because sure. of the contradictions. So it, it's one of those things where we're just kind of examining what half of the country really is about and doing that through a one hour long, two hour long conversation per week. Sometimes we have guests on and it's just, it's just, it's a lot of fun. Um, so that's the podcast side of Contrarix. And then the business side of Contrarix is podcast production. We do more than just ourselves and we work with podcast creators to produce the best shows they can while also, um, being forthright about our politics because it's it's too often that we only see one side in corporate land mm -hmm. and you know it's hard to produce art when you only have half the conversation and we're trying to create art with the full picture in mind which has made for good content thus far well i think you nailed it i think you're right on the the mark there as far as what the problem in america is today is that there's only one side of the conversation that's allowed. You know, I consider myself a conservative, but I would say a constitutional conservative. And I think that a lot of the Trumpers, so to say, are are in that ballpark um, as a matter of policy. You know, I supported a lot of what Trump did. And, sure. uh, you know, so am I a Trumper? I, I don't know. I consider myself more a constitutional conservative. And I, and I think that right now what you're seeing and maybe what, motivated you, you can, you can tell me if this is partially true, is that, um, you know, the conservatives themselves, as opposed to the left, they are neither organized 
and you know have a consistent message, uh, nor are they really effective at communicating the message and supporting the people that they supposedly represent. Uh, you know, so that's that's my big problem with it. I you know I uh, I have your your web page here that's up. Um, this is Contrarx.com, and I encourage people to go ahead and take a, take a look at that, take a listen to uh, you guys on your show. I have listened to a couple. I think they're really well thought out, and I appreciate you being here to talk about it. You know, and we had talked a little bit about, uh, before we started about, you know, how these shows are going to all ask you the same question, and that is, you know, it, within your age demographic, what do you see as the primary challenge for your generation and how do you think you you what do you see in the vision of the future uh, how that is successfully addressed so are you asking like what is the biggest challenge as a matter of policy or what is the biggest challenge for conservatives specifically i think what i would say is there is a hell of a mess right now in this country and sure. every generation has to fight for the freedom and liberty that we all enjoy, and I think that we have just this huge mess. So my question to you is, you know, oh, I have a lot of questions. So number one is, is this really recognized with your peer group? Uh, where does the in your impression of the split stand, and how do you address this? You know, as you age, and then you pass this on to the following generation. You know, how do you see that working for your generation? coming up in the future? Sure. Uh, that, that's a big question. We could probably spend an hour on that. Exactly. So I'm going to try and start from the beginning, and we'll go from there. Um, I'm going to answer the question as if you're asking what really is the issue for conservatives, because as a matter of policy, it's hard to tell because there's too many moving parts. You know, I could say climate change, and that would be a legitimate answer. I could also say China, and that'd be a legitimate answer. And it's not abundantly clear to me which one is the biggest problem. All of the above. Right. Right. It could be all of the above. So I'm going to... I'm gonna I'm gonna cornhole the question into you know the conservative branding issue because I think that's what I'm most specialized in talking about. Okay. When I speak to people my age, um, in every generation, the youth t tend towards the left, whatever that means. They tend towards progressiveness, whatever that means. They tend towards not conservative, and there's a number of reasons for this. Um, I think in the past generation, perhaps the past two or three generations, the primary differentiator in life has been paying taxes because the primary uh, disagreement between the right and the left has been economics, where now we're not necessarily seeing that. So when I speak to people on the other side, which is most of my friends, they ask me, how can I be a Republican, which is usually the first stopping point. I make a difference between Republican and conservative because there's a branding issue here. Right. And the question that you have to get them to think about is what are we conserving? Now there are people who vote for Trump, they claim to be conservative, they're Republicans, whatever, and their version of conservatism is to conserve the past. And many people will say that's a legitimate um, take on it. The way I explained my conservatism is that it is not about the past. I don't necessarily care about the specific details of the 1950s. I don't necessarily care about specific policies because these things were done in the context of their time. What I want to conserve and what I do not see being conserved by either side really well are American ideals. Now what are those American ideals? 
There are the ideals that are uh, most obviously produced in the Declaration of Independence, the mm -hmm. right to life, the right to liberty, and the right to the pursuit of happiness. And although this country has never been perfect in executing on these ideals, I do think they're important. Now, does that mean that I agree with the Republican tendency to just say no to whatever um, progressives are saying? No. But that also doesn't mean that I think that we should just burn down the system. I believe the system is inherently good. I think it's the best system humanity has ever created. I think that if we were to take the system to its logical conclusion, it would be better than the alternatives that are currently being discussed. I believe in right to, you know, the freedom of speech. I believe in the freedom of religion. I believe in the freedom of a free press. I believe that governments are they tend to be better when they're smaller, but I also believe that there is a time and a place for governments to do big things. It's just a matter of finding out what those things are doing. I'm also a staunch capitalist because I think that goes hand in hand with freedom. So that also means that I believe that in sectors in which the government is less efficient, it should stay out. This mm -hmm. could be like places like healthcare, for example. And there are going to be sectors in which private industry cannot work alone and the government is in a unique position to throw lots of money and intelligence around and create world-changing progress we let's saw stop. this during the space race yep let's stop there you got it. you have a whole bunch of things to unpack there i know so, so when people ask you first of all how can you be a republican you know it doesn't matter what you label it they have the same question how can you be right. how can you not be a progressive is really their question so, you know, the uh, the con conservation of the past is not a conservation of the mistakes. Correct. The, the truth is that the ideals and principles that founded this nation, as you just explained, uh, are timeless. So they should be they should be conserved. They should be preserved. Uh, things such as equality under the law things such as the Declaration of Independence and the rights that you have as an American citizen. And I think that the the other comments that you mentioned about, really it comes down to what perspective and what viewpoint are they coming from, are they coming from? And I think most people, as we're seeing in the education system today, most, most people have been educated in a system that's hostile towards America and focuses on America through the lens of a single country and not through the lens of what's going on around the world. Slavery, as an example, around the world, you know, slavery was rampant at the time that America had slavery itself. And the, the truth about history shows that, and I mentioned this on other shows, shows that, uh, you know, the African nations had white slaves before, during, and even after the Emancipation Proclamation. The truth is that indentured servants that were the first slaves in this country were white. So we play this game about, you know, America is such a terrible country when we look at America under the lens of only America. But the fact of the matter is, it was three countries that were uh, run by white men that abolished slavery first. It's France, Britain, and the United States. So, you know, this, uh, this hostility towards people who believe in the original founding principles has no merit. And the people who have educated our, our kids for years now, 
are part of a, an objective, and that objective is to subvert our form of government. So, you know, in favor of Marxism, basically. So, you know, your generation faces a, a particular uphill battle that mine didn't, because when I went to school, America was thought of as exceptional, and it is, and based on what you just yourself explained. You know, so you have a particularly more difficult fight because the the enemy is not Nazi Germany or Japan. It it is not you know um, communist Soviet Union during the Cold War. The enemy is within our own borders today, and you don't have the same starting point. So you're in a particularly difficult your generations in a particularly difficult um, position, in my in my opinion. So um, when you talk to your friends and they ask you that, do they automatically give you standard talking points, or what percentage of them would you say actually listen and try to digest your message? In person, about 100% listen. It turns out people don't act like Twitter keyboard warriors. Most people also um, aren't as plugged in as, say, you and I may be as, as internet warriors of the cultural right. So when I'm talking to actual people who are actually interested in asking that question, um, they, they, it may not be, you know, peaceful per se. It may be it may be a tense conversation, but that it's not going to be just me talking to a wall. And you know, I'm I'm a fan of giving credit where it's due because you you and I'm push I'm gonna push back a little bit on what you're saying. I, I'm hearing a little bit of a one-sided battle here, and I'm not convinced that's the case. I, I, I stand true in every conversation. I am not sure that there is currently a mainstream conservative political party in the United States. There are parts that both parties get right, but mm -hmm. there there is let's let's even split it up into four. There's the the old guard Republicans uh, who are relevant until I'll say 2016. Then there's the Trump Republicans who are right leaning populists. There are the old guard Democrats and there's the socialist wing. And every single one of those has something about America right, and every single one of those has a critique that's also relevant, but also every single one of those do hold some level of anti-American belief. And that is something I try and get across to, in these real-world conversations as soon as possible. That to, to, you have to sort of break this right versus left divide. Because if you can do that, then I can immediately look at them and say, here is where I think you are right if I am just going to assume your politics based on the question you just asked me. So let's assume I'm talking to a progressive. What the progressives understand um, inherently within their ideology is this move for social freedom throughout the United States. They understand that concept. They may not get much of the rest of it, but they understand that. The idea that people should be able to live and let live. Now, they often lose the track when enforcing that because they don't really mean that, but they say it, right, because they fight for these oppressed groups. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, the question that ultimately comes up when I'm having these conversations is like, well, but, you know, like I voted for Trump. It, it's not a secret that I voted for Trump uh, in 2020. Did not vote for him in 2016. And, you know, it's like, well, how can you vote for Trump? And it's like, well, because here's the deal. There are... There is a balancing act to play with American ideals, and the problem is, is that I am not convinced that the left understands the full picture because you confuse you confuse the the execution, the poor execution of 
a political party as the foundation of a country, and that is not true. Well, I think that, that, that a couple things. So I think, first of all, you're correct in what you're saying, at least overall. I don't I think it's hard to try to describe <clears throat> what the uh, how the Trumpers are anti-American. I think um, so you can answer that in a little bit. But I think <laughs> I think also that um, the I would love to see the reemergence of the so-called Democrat Party, the party of, of JFK. Uh, they are completely being uh, overpowered, over, uh, you know, overburdened by the far left. And, you know, we hear a good example. We hear uh, the squad and some of their really, honestly, radical ideas that are not American ideals and do not support the, the American ideals. And, you know, I think that the, in, in days gone by, those people would have been called out by their own party. Well, they're not being called out, and it's particularly aggressive on the left. And we hear about how America is a racist country. We see our cities burn. We see people attacked. We see cops murdered. Sure. Uh, you know, and if America is so racist, you know, where is the KKK? Where where are they? You know, there's 4,000 total members. You know, so I'm not I'm not saying to you that. Um, that is everybody or everybody on the left thinks that way or everybody on the right thinks a certain way. What I'm saying to you is that there is a realistic and palpable threat that you can, that we can all see and we should be able to call it what it is, but instead we have an administration that is calling the people who believe, like you and I, who believe in the original principles, the founding principles, we're the domestic terrorists. That is uh, along with critical race theory and other things, that is uh, a Marxist approach to re-imagining uh, their own term or fundamentally changing America. And I think the biggest difference is we know it doesn't need to be fundamentally, fundamentally changed. One of the things you said that I say a lot is that, uh, you know, America is a country that isn't perfect but strives for per perfection. America is a country that more people than any other political system in history have succeeded within. And the progressive left likes to use the word equity, which means everybody gets equal results, which is impossible. And in order for everybody to equal results, you have to rob from one group and discriminate against one group to rise the other group up, supposedly. Um, and we've all seen that fail in history to the tune of 100 million plus dead. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. And, and see, you, right, right there, you, you sort of, you're skimming right where I was tr trying to lead these people. The conversations that I'm having, you know, when I'm talking about talking in real life, they're not hardcore political pundits. I cannot change the mind of a verified Twitter socialist. Agreed. Yeah. The, the, they are there. And, and so I'm not, I'm not going to even bother talking to them. Um, the, the minds that I'm trying to change, what they are doing is they have seen a system that fails them. And, and the system does fail, especially my generation. The system is failing my generation right now because uh, we were told, and I, you know, and it sounds contemptuous, it kind of is, but there is a little truth to it. We were told by your generation and the generation above you that what we have to do to ensure success, go to college, get a good degree, just get a degree. Um, get a good education, you will succeed. And what we have gone through, and this is a valid crit critique, and it's hard for me to defend the critique, um, 
we have crippling student loan debt, which is not the fault of our own. We were told that this is the only path to success, which now we know that is not true, but hey, that's what we were told. Uh, we our home, our prospects for being able to have a home look much more dim than, say, those of our grandparents, especially when there are corporations like BlackRock buying up entire neighborhoods for above asking prices. It's absurd. And they are told that they live in a system of capitalism, so, they're, so they believe that you know, they're in a capitalist system, and that's not really what's going on at all. But how do you explain that when we're the closest the world seems to get? Um, they look at a corrupt political class, and they, you know, they see corruption through... Uh, Mitch McConnell, through Hillary Clinton, through Barack Obama, through all of them. And then there's this sect of we're going to burn the whole system down and we're going to replace it with something better. And it gives my generation purpose. Yeah. And that's what they're after. <laughs> and, and, it, and it sounds good, but what they don't know, because they're 24 years old um, and you know we've been, we've, been, we've been shoved with media since the time we were two, Mm -hmm. uh, they, they didn't study history because they were watching cartoons or they were focusing on some funny video on YouTube when they were 13. So they don't know anything about Soviet Russia. They only know about Nazi Germany's super cursory. They don't know anything about China. They don't know anything about the Middle East. They don't know anything about history at large. So yeah. they don't understand what Marxism even is. They just think it's a term that conservatives use as a boogie term. They don't even know what it is, and they don't know that it's been tried multiple times, and it doesn't matter how you try it, it always fails. And those are the conversations I seek to have. See, and, and that's great. I think that there's, there's I'm going to push back a little bit. I think that uh, there's one overarching uh, issue that covers what you just discussed, and that is education and what has been left out and what we've done to our educational system that you had the displeasure of going through. So, you know, when, when you look back at history, you know, for the first time in history when my kids went through school, they were given participation trophies and sheltered from failure. And I think that in in generations gone by, I mean, do you honestly think that the generation in the 40s or 50s or 60s who, who went off to war in the 40s, you know, I'm a fan of old classic radio, and I listen to old Sherlock Holmes uh, shows that were taped during World War II. And they're on there saying, hey, you got your ration during the commercials. Hey, you got your, your ration stamps. If you have stamps for meat, you know, America is starting to get meat back in, in uh, the stores again. Or save all of your kitchen fat because we use it to produce rubber for the war effort. Or So my point is your generation has actually had it in many ways better than any previous generation, that people fought and and lost their lives, and people on the home front, their lives were destroyed. And people have this is what I said earlier. Every generation has a call to defend the United States and the freedom. So when you look at the racism issue, you look at Asians coming into America. Why is it the Asians disprove the race? The racism is uh, systemic in America. Why is it they come in and they succeed in large numbers where other populations don't? Uh, it's not because they don't have the same opportunities. It's because their perception of what their opportunities are are different. So you know what I'm what I'm trying to say when it all comes to this is no generation has had it uh, perfect and. Every generation 
has had something they've had to do to fight for. The student loan issue uh, in particular for me is, is almost uh, makes me kind of chuckle because I had, you know, senior level credits, 18 credits, 20 credit load, and had three jobs and took 10 years to repay my student loans. Now, that's only going to school for four years. So I, I can imagine and sympathize with where you're at, but I, nobody in my generation expected to have somebody else pay for their education. You know, so I think that my generation kind of looks at that argument and says, well, you know, suck it up, buttercup. We got to sure. we got to move forward. And, and yes, you said a lot of stuff that's absolutely true about what our generation has allowed. My generation has allowed and generations before me as well. Sure. Um, there's a lot there. And I'm going to start with the, the our generational hostility. Because there's a, there's, a, there's a conflation and there's an assumption that she made that I inherently disagree with. I am not, you will not see me today, in the past, or ever, shit on the greatest generation. I did not talk about them. The greatest oh, generation who yeah, set up the 40s and 50s and 60s are not responsible for the quarrels of my generation. So when you talk about rations and stuff like that, that was not a boomer problem. That was the greatest generation. I refuse to shit on them. They did good work. They, and they made huge progress. Now, you go to their kids, the whole system has changed because they had the benefit of living in their system, which they set up, and you, and you, and you, express, and you expressly got more of those benefits than we did while we had to deal with the over, I'm going to no. use leftist, leftist no. terminology. We, we didn't get more benefits than what your generation has. Sure. Yes, because you, the the whole suck it up mentality. You said okay, you worked three jobs in college, uh, you were able to get through four years, and you and you paid it off in ten, which that's awesome. Good for you. I worked three jobs in college too. Good. I, I spent that's more good. time. I spent more time at work than I did in class. I and granted, I chose a career. I, I chose a legal profession, so I will likely be able to pay it back. But I still have over a hundred thousand dollars in student loan debt. I still have $100,000 student loan debt, and I was paying for college while in college. I was working more. My grades suffered because I was told that I had to get a degree. Now, I'm making the argument on behalf of a generation. The, the assumption that we had the same playing field isn't fair because thanks to my student loan debt, I cannot get a car without a cosigner. Well, I think there's, there's some things here that, are, that need to be pointed out. Number one, I had like 40 grand. And I paid the same amount for my education in total than my oldest brother did for his doctorate degree. So you went to law school, which is a lot more schooling than what I went to. So when you when you talk about $100,000, that's the first big difference and the first big hit. There was no there was no difference. I mean, I couldn't afford things because of my because of my loan debt. I I had a hell of a time, and you know. So I think. First of all, I wasn't assuming what your thoughts were. I'm just saying as, you know, as an older person in this, in, in my generation, it wasn't easy for us. And we didn't, we, we no more gained the benefits from the greatest generation than you have from us. I mean, technology. That's just categorically not true, though. Hang on, let me finish. That is true because what challenges have you had that, that rise to the level of, Vietnam or wartime, wartime generation. That's a false equivalency. I'm not talking about war. I'm talking about economic prospects. That is, so, that does result, that does have impacts on the economy. 
So yeah, if anything, war is good for the economy. Well, war Wait, is good for the. For here, the, let me let me paint war, out a description war, for you. War is good for war is good for uh, the military industrial complex. It's not good for uh, people individually in the economy. It's going to depend on the category of work. You want to call it military industrial contracts? That's fine. That's what if I you went it. okay. So when did you graduate from college? I want to point something out. Ninety. Ninety. Okay. So 1990, you graduate college. Let's say you got a bachelor of science in biology. Okay. Would it be expected to have a STEM degree in 1990? And the likelihood that you get a, you get a job in your STEM degree field is 30 percent. I don't know that we know that. You're, you're talking about today's is 30 percent. You're saying. No, I, I'm, I'm throwing a number versus... out there, but what, if you got a STEM degree, do you think the chances that you got a STEM job were low or high? Let's we'll start there, I guess. Um, I think that depends. I don't know. What's, what are you trying, what's your point? What do you want me to get my, to? My, my point is, is that if you went in, so we were told as, as, as the youth to get a degree and we will have success. Now, I'm going to go ahead and do half the work and let's just exclude some of the humanities, you know, the, the women's sure. studies people, like they, they made a poor decision as a, as a business decision. Mm -hmm. I know way too many people and these people are jaded and I think they have good reason to be jaded who went into good fields. We're talking chemistry, we're talking physics, we're talking computer science, although they less so, they, they had it pretty good. We're talking mm -hmm. biology, we're talking mathematics. They work at Target and it's the best they can currently do because nobody will take them seriously on the basis of their age. <laughs> You, do you think that that didn't happen to previous generations? I, it didn't happen to the same extent because the uh, chances are that if you went and got a four-year degree in a STEM field, that the likelihood that you would end up on a high-paying job and would be able to afford a house by the time you were 26, 27, even in a high cost-of-living area, were good. And, Taylor, we, and we know for, this to be true. Taylor, I worked for 25 years and was, it was looked at as being too young to know what the hell I was doing. You know, and perhaps not, your anecdote is different, but that's, that's not how the generational data has shifted here, out. Here, here's my point. Are, are there things that you guys have as challenges in your generation that we didn't have? Probably so. Yes, and that will are, always are, be true. Are, probably so. But I think that what's happening is too many people in your generation and people in general in the United States want to be victims. You, you, you spend so much time looking at what the wrongs are that you don't seize and realize the opportunities. And I don't mean you, you personally, but I, I understand, but I think that that is a problem. I think that we go back to our original premises and America is a country that gives people opportunities all over the place. Now from your, your discussion of what the difficulties are, you were promised you'll go to college and, and you'll succeed. Well, my parents pushed me to do the same thing, especially with my my mother. When I was in a, a band at the time that uh, we were we were actually scheduled to, to open for Cheap Trick, which was a big, huge band at that time, and I got pressured into going to school, and I didn't necessarily want to go to school. And uh, I got out of school, and I was making pretty much nothing compared to other people who went into the trades. Might not the problem be? that colleges were completely oversaturated, that too many people went to college, that the reason the job market isn't there, and we see it and I've seen it for 35 years in industry, where we can't find welders, we can't find you know, people in the trades. 
because of sheer numbers of people that go into college and they want to be, you know, they want to be executive this or executive that. And there's just this multitude of people out there that didn't exist before. The pool itself has grown beyond what the opportunities are. I think that's more of a problem than what we're describing as what you were told. So I feel like we've lost track of why I was saying what I was saying in the first place. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back it up a minute. The point is that when I'm having these conversations with people trying to explain my belief system and how I can stand up for what I believe in, I am talking to people who were generationally bought, who generationally bought a lie. And regardless of what you think of the specifics of the data, that's fine. I am talking to people who believe that they were lied to, the system does not work for them, and there is evidence it is not working for them when compared to past generations. So they look at the system that I am out here defending as bad. They want to burn it down, and they see a sect of the American pol political realm that wants to do so. Many of them go progressive. It's starting to change specifically in my age demographic because 24 years old, you start paying taxes. I am starting to see a shift, but that is what I'm working with. Right. And they have an argument to back it up, and it's legitimate. That was my overarching point, not to get yeah. stuck in the weeds there. Yeah. So. So if we take their premise, and I have to explain to them why it is that I believe in American ideals when American ideals are failing an entire generation, it is because I have to explain to them that what they experienced, the lie that you and I just tipped about for about 10 minutes, wasn't even American to start. The idea that you burden entire generations with six-figure debt to get an education was never an American thought. Because you cannot be free if you are burdened by crippling debt. You want to know what else isn't an American thought? The belief and perspective that I have an excuse to be a victim, so I'm, I'm going to... I'm not disagreeing I'm gonna, with you. I'm just going to blame people. I'm that, not disagreeing with you. your generation needs to get over. And, you know, I, and I'm not, I'm not saying that what you're saying is incorrect. I'm just saying in order for people to succeed, they have to stop playing victim. They have to stop pointing the finger... They have to, uh, they have to make their success. They have to believe that they can be a success. If all you believe is this greatest country on the planet has done me wrong, well then I challenge you. Go to go to go to Ukraine. Go to Venezuela. Go to go to Cuba. Why why are the Hong Kong youth and the Cuban youth waving American flags? Well, I make the same challenges, but you have to get there, and you can't start there with antagonism because a lot of these people aren't actually pointing the finger. Most people aren't Twitter keyboard warriors. No. They're just everyday Americans who want to make change. They think they're making their change. If you, think you have to convince them their change they're making is wrong. If you think what I said is antagonistic, that's part of the problem. Because I'm, but, uh, <laughs> but it is. But it isn't. It isn't. It is, it is. You have – so this is the problem with the left. You, they have the right – to say anything they want, anytime they hear something that they don't like, they say, "Hey, you know, that's that's those are you know racist or violent words or what, whatever, or antagonistic." Well, no, that is my perception, that is my opinion, that is my belief. Just and because something is antagonistic doesn't mean it's wrong. But it's yeah, but it's not. You know, so we we're gonna argue about this all day, <laughs> but but it's not. The, the problem is that people are so um, thin-skinned that they can't hear the other side of the argument. And I know that you have experienced that. I know that in your in your conversations, you don't even have to tell me. I know that there have been more than one occasion where 
you have been labeled, you know, basically a, a white supremacist or, you know, antagonistic or whatever, you know, and that's the problem. And, you know, you want to have a, an opinion that Marxism is great and Marxism is the best system in America should go with Marxism. That's your opinion. But let's talk about it, why, why it is bad or why, why it's good. You know, so anyway, great conversation. Conversations that you have debate back and forth like this are more of what we need and not less of what we need. And, you know, I'm glad that, that, that you came on the show. And I do want to give you an opportunity just to kind of go to whatever topic you want to talk about. Uh, and then we'll, we'll wrap it up. So, again, your show is Contrarix.com. And yourself and, and you have a co-host. Uh, I don't know if this means anything to you, but I think that it's it's very positive to see uh, people within your generation doing the kind of things you're doing because it's probably even more, well, definitely is even more difficult because it's a lot easier for, for me to find allies that have the same beliefs that I do. For you, it's got to be difficult, especially being a white male. Um, anyway, the, the floor is yours. And I appreciate your time just telling us whatever you want to tell us. Sure. So I, I do want to expand upon what we just went through, though. So a lot of people in my generation do get stuck on stupid topics, and, that, and that's a fair criticism and all that. When I am talking to these people, what I, I try and outline to them that the current dichotomy of political party does not, that I am not necessarily in favor of, does not conserve what I believe needs to be conserved per se. And I try and explain to them that what they experience is not capitalism, it's cronyism. So use the correct term. That socialism, when tried in all aspects of, uh, other aspects of the world, has never worked and we don't see any evidence that it ever will. And the common examples that they bring up will be the Norwegian countries, uh, which will often, often are capitalist systems with large safety nets, which I'm not necessarily against. They will then, you know, point to, they don't even know what Marxism truly means. So when I explain Marxism, Marxism on first pass sounds great. Then you have to consider, well, what is the ramifications of Marxism and take it a little bit deeper. That's usually an hour conversation in and of itself. Mm -hmm. And then there is this over, there, there's a misunderstanding on the prevalence of big issues that they often attach themselves to. These are young people looking for meaning. That is mostly what it is. That's all it is. So then you ask, ask them, okay, we are undoubtedly the best country to live in even though there are impacts, you take the valid point from an argument and you tear the rest down. There are impacts of slavery still relevant today. Sure, there are. I do not believe the answer is a racist, we'll just give black people money. I think the yeah. answer is let's look at the neighborhoods specifically affected and help those neighborhoods and everybody in them because although the neighborhoods may be disproportionately black, it's not the black that's the problem, it's the neighborhood because of the systemic discrimination, if that's the word you want to use. I think I also usually have to tell them systemic means legal. There is no legal discrimination. Right. The, this is the legal scholar in me, went to law school, it ain't there. Sorry. So if you want to talk about culturally, it's a different conversation, you're still going to fail. And then at the end of the day, what I really want them to start, sort of push at is like, are we perfect? No, I, I want to help you make this country better, but do not lose track of the monsters at our door. I often point to China. What do you know about communism? Like, what do you actually know about communism? That's the question. The answer is, if it's not communism, I'll say socialism. 
the answer tends to be nothing. It's whatever Bernie Sanders at AOC says it is. I'm like, okay, so do you, you know, do you know what Stalin did and how he did it and how he killed more people than Hitler? Do you understand the Cultural Revolution that is China? Do you understand the French communists that were really prevalent in their academia before both of these events? Do you understand the uh, experiments that happened in uh, Africa, thanks to these French scholars that led to widespread death? Do you understand that you that the likelihood that you tearing down America will create something better it approaches zero because the chances that you have the keys to the kingdom are also functionally zero. And usually when I walk through these conversations, I'm not making conservatives. I'm making people who can understand where I'm coming from, and they're going to be a little less likely to tear it down. They, mm -hmm. they see, and this is the part of what you're saying that is accurate, they see that they are we'll call it thin-skinned, and they uh, and they begin to wonder whether or not there are issues they're not being told about. Now, I have found it can be difficult when I say, you know, they ask me where I get my news. And the answer is, well, I get it from everywhere, but I don't, like, do it that way. I don't go to the New York Times or the New York Times. I, mm -hmm. I get it curated through social media or through websites like Yahoo. So, written-wise, I read lots of mainstream media, and the conservative written source that I'll read is Daily Wire, and that's about it. Mm -hmm. And then from punditry, because if I'm going to listen to something I don't want to blow my brains out, I'm going to listen to more conservative sources, right? And it's explaining to them that if you're only listening to one side or reading one side, and you want to fight about facts, see where they agree, and the rest is kind of opinion, and then it makes it easier to have conversations. Sure. Because conservatives agree with liberals. People deserve to be treated like people. Right. There, well, there is not, there is not a legitimate conservative who's trying to stone gays. There, there just isn't one. And any person in America trying to do that is not American because they, they right. don't understand the foundational principles. Right. There is not a conservative who, on the premise of being able to live your life, is really against the trans issue. That's not the conversation conservatives are having. That's, that's right. actually more scientific and less cultural that the liberal left wants to have. Yeah. There's not a conservative who is who is racist. Any racist is inherently not conservative. You cannot be conservative right. and racist. They do not work. Why would now, the Republican are, Party form? Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and are there people masquerading as conservatives who are racist? Sure. And you know what? I'm going to be right there with you. If they come out and they end up being a leader in Congress, right. I want them gone. Right. Amen. Um, but they don't they don't think that's what conservatism is. So it's yeah, having that conversation. Yeah, absolutely true. Absolutely true. The problem is, I think that and first of all, Taylor, you, you said the one thing I was right about. I was right about everything. <laughs> that's number one. I like your humor. <laughs> so so the truth is, though, that, you know, when you look at uh, our country and you look at its history, um, I would like to recommend that people read a book like Thomas Sowell called um, Black Rednecks and white liberals. Fascinating. Wherever you fall, the, the read is fascinating. I think my co-host is reading it right now. Yeah, it, it is. It's very fascinating. Anyway, um, you had mentioned at the onset of the, of the interview here that, you know, um, most of your liberal friends, or a lot of it has to do with age, and then you go through the tax thing, and you said that's kind of what's changing people's opinions and stuff. Ronald Reagan had a saying, and that uh, he said that if you're in your 20s, and you're not a liberal, you have no heart. If if you're in your 40s, and you're not a Republican, you have no brain. And that is antagonistic, for sure. <laughs> However, I think it's true. And 
you know, I'm not going to apologize and if to anybody, and I hope you don't either, for the beliefs that you have. And you're obviously an extremely intelligent person. Uh, we both agree that we need to get back to a place in this country where it's okay to have your opinions, and it doesn't make you a bad person. Uh, and it's okay to talk about them and to get passionate, passionate about them. I think the best examples of that are family. How many, if you have brothers and sisters, how many times have you wanted to just string them up? But you still love them, you know. And we got to get back to that, I think. So um, fascinating. There's one gentleman you you obviously know a lot about what's going on in China. If you haven't seen him on the Matchmaker uh, website, which we use, um, Mitchell Gerber. Is, I've already spoken to Mitchell. Yeah, Gerber. yeah. He's he's got a lot of insight into the real China. And what do you remember what episode that was? It was published in May. The number escapes me, but it's going to be late 20s, early 30s. And, um, and, we, and we spoke specifically because I did a, an entire month of May for a corporate pandering month nobody cared about. It was Pacific American Heritage Month, uh, Pacific Asian American Heritage Month, and that's for May. And, you know, June is Pride Month. Remember so the title I did China. Of that episode? Um, no, because I did a lot that month. Sorry. Okay. Well, people, it, can, people can find people that can on Twerix.com, right? Yep. And I interviewed him episode 14. Uh, great insight for anybody who's really wondering what China is like. Uh, Taylor, it's been a pleasure. I appreciate your passion. I appreciate your time. Thank you very much for, for being here. I wish you the best. And now I got some Harley riding by my window. I'll probably well, if you don't mind, you gave a book recommendation. Do you yes. mind if I give one? Absolutely not. Go ahead. Gulag by Ann Applebaum. So most people on our side probably know of Alexander Solzhenitsyn's Gulag Archipelago, and it's a great book. And there are critics of, of Alexander Solzhenitsyn who say it's not academic enough. Um, you can't verify everything that he said in it. And sure, but you could, but whatever. Ann Applebaum is a Pulitzer winning prize winner for this book, Gulag, in which she verified almost everything Solzhenitsyn said, and it's a great insight into communism at large, socialism at large, the gulags, obviously, and why it is that people should be against Marxism in any form it comes up. So there you go. Excellent recommendation. Um, one more maybe on the positive side uh, to, to talk about America and what our rights are is a book called Know Your Civil Rights, or Know Your... Know your, uh, know your Declaration of Independence and your rights. Uh, good book. Uh, talks about really what our freedoms are, what it means. And uh, I hope that people check out all these books we're recommending because it's it's obviously very important to be well read. And I think your, your point on we're not really seeing capitalism is brilliant. We're not. We haven't. It hasn't been a truly capitalist society for well over 100 years now. If ever, yeah. Yeah, if ever. I think uh, Milton Friedman comes to mind, one of my favorite uh, economists. Uh, he's got a lot of stuff that's out on YouTube, kind of get kind of get the feeling of what true capitalism really should be. Uh, and there are others. But uh, again, uh, great to have you. Uh, and you're welcome back anytime. You know, I, I wish you all the best of luck. And whatever you decide to do as far as your direction or your career, I'm sure you'll be a success. Obviously, it's it's going to be difficult. No matter who you are, life is difficult. But um, thanks again, and hopefully we talk in the future. Anytime. Thank you for having me on. You bet.
Patriots, it's Jeff Wagner from the Patriot Review. I would like to call your attention to the Patriot Review merch shop. If you go to redbloodedpatriots.com and go to shop, you will see a listing of items that you can purchase, uh, specific Patriot Review gear, and uh, even stuff for your pets, as well as our current Communism Sucks line of items. So go ahead and check it out. I think you'll be happy with it. I've purchased some merch myself, as you can see. It's good quality stuff. I'm happy with it, and I know you will be too. Again, the Patriot Review shop is at redbloodedpatriots.com slash shop. Thank you very much, and now back to the show. Ignore the thought police and subscribe or follow the Patriot Review. It's your patriotic duty. Coming to you from the land of common sense and American pride. Not a unicorn or rainbow in sight. Welcome back to the Patriot Review with Jeff Wagner. Hello everybody, I hope you enjoyed that interview. Uh, Taylor is obviously a very, very intelligent uh, man and has a lot to look forward to in his future. I really enjoyed talking with him. I do have to dig that book out that I was mentioning. I'll show that on the next show uh, so you can see the cover and everything and, and pick that up if you don't have it. Um, I believe, actually, I will change the show here and I will end it for today because we're already over an hour and I don't uh, suspect that anybody would watch two-hour show, which is what uh, continuing on into the next interview will do. So I will hold that interview with Ronald Boyd over until next week. Um, I am glad that you're here. Thank you very much. As always, subscribe or like uh, the Patriot Review. Follow us on Rumble, YouTube, Patreon. We're all over the place, and that's only growing. So thanks again for being here, and I will see you next week.